Welcome to First Online with Fran. I'm Frances McGarry, host and advocate of ordinary people doing extraordinary things in the arts to make our world a richer, deeper, safer, kinder place to live. You know, artists of all genres, be it painting or photography, music, theater, they all have stories to tell. Today, my story honors the sudden passing of Ivan Palavis, my BFF and creative collaborator of over 30 years, whose puckish inclinations created costumes and set designs for over a hundred shows at Northport School District on Long Island. <laughs> we were quite the mischief makers, the dreamers, the, the magical team conjuring up concepts and making them come to life on any given platform. My guest today, Yi Ching Zhao, she gets this. She knows what I'm talking about. And though she was a medical student in China and then actor turned TikTok sensation, Yi Ching gets it. She knows what it's like to be an artist. So girl, with all that you've accomplished, uh, let's open our conversation with who we are and why we do what we do. Why now? Why here? Why me? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Welcome, Yi Ching. Thank you, friend. So nice to be here talking to you. So why now? Why I, with all that you've done, I was thinking, why does this girl, does she, you don't need me. You have it all. <laughs> I don't think I have it all. I just think I have it as I go. You know what I mean? I have it as I go. I might not have all at this moment, but as soon as I get moving, I have things coming in. And that's like my philosophy of living and making art and doing anything and everything else. I don't need to have everything when I start because then you will never feel ready, right? So when, like you said, why now? It's because if I don't start now, chances are something else will happen. Just like I got the last minute audition last night, you know, like it's always like that. So if you don't start now, then chances are you're put it on hold I think that's so that's so interesting because we really don't understand why it is we have this passion that drives us but when we find it I just finished a series of 15 sessions from the the fire starter and it's like find your joy find out what makes you happy and do that and follow through with that here are some tips. Here are some things that you can do. That's kind of like what, what you did. Here you are in China. And I love what you said about your name. Your name is Artistic Youth. Yeah. <laughs> but you were supposed to be a doctor. <laughs> I was supposed to. So my parents are still thinking, are still regretting about giving me this name. And every time they said, oh, how, how did you, why did you choose this? Like, why did you choose this? There's no stability. There's rejection and this and that and I'm like you gave me this name why did you ask me like what what, what were you thinking about when you gave me this name <laughs> that was like the conversation stopper when I said that they're like mm, time to shut up oops not to not to say it's a sore subject it's not anymore it used to be 
my parents were actually very against this idea of pursuing arts and not to mention acting, you know, with their traditional views on actors, especially actresses. There's just some sort of like, oh, is that even decent? Even some of my family, my distant family, have that doubt still. Like, oh, is that decent? Like, is and, that? And and you know what? It's not even being Chinese because the same thing. I'm Italian, and it's like, what are you crazy? And like you, being the good daughter, I got my teaching certificate and I did that. But I taught theater, and I was also an English teacher. You know, so they talk about it like in the artist way, being a shadow artist. You know, so I kind of vicariously uh, lived through that. But there was always that that secret calling, and it didn't happen for me until I I turned sixty. I lost this wonderful job, and I'm like, well, let me audition and let's see what happens. And here I am, ten years later, and you know, booking and national commercials and got my SAG card and on a Hallmark movie, all of that kind of like universal. Parents want the best for your kids. You did the right thing, girl. You, you went to med school. And then what happened? <laughs> I, well, I came here for my master's in public health, actually, and I got it. But I started acting when I was there. Like I made my original debut and my New York debut when I was in grad school. And I even got threatened by, the, by my department director, the program director. So like she was the director of this program. And she called me up one day and said, do you want to graduate or not? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm a straight A student just because I'm doing theater on the side does not mean I'm not going to graduate. Like there's no, I understand why she was upset because I was taking uh, theater classes when I was doing the, my graduate program. And because my tuition at grad school um, at Johns Hopkins, this is the tuition you can uh, register a maximum of like 22 credits per semester so I basically I was hitting like 21 22 hitting the maximum every semester because I was taking theater classes so which means part of my tuition went to the theater department that's what upset her because not all my tuition went to my department what you were supposed to do what I was supposed to do and you know something that's another trait of us as artists is we break rules. We're mischief makers. <laughs> we cause trouble. And in you know, Lewis's words, we, we create good trouble. You know, Tell me about some of the good trouble you caused. The good trouble. Well, I'm an immigrant. First and only immigrant of my family. That's a good trouble, right? Like wow. that's huge. I, that's huge. That's I, I came here in 2014. I actually just celebrated my seven year, seventh anniversary in the hey. U.S. Like 15 days ago. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> thank you. And so when I came here, I had two suitcases adding up to my body weight, like 50 pounds. 50 pounds each okay. I was and and was that before or after the thick thighs before or after what your thick thighs <laughs> that idea that you having fat thighs oh <laughs> well 
that we can save that to later that that, okay. that is for later is about body image but I'm I, I I'd be happy to jump into that yeah but I was I weighed about 110 pounds right now I'm like 115 ish still tiny but I have some bulk and I used to, I'll show you a picture later I'll text you a picture of me but I look like a doll that was me I look like a doll with this crazy short hair very cute but I didn't look real because I was like tiny and always smiley and over the top bubbly a little bit people pleasing that was just how I was raised there was supposed to be a good girl and to be a lot of those those labels so yeah I came here with two suitcases adding up to my body weight I hitchhiked twice when I first came into the country. I would say the first time I was on my way, I was in Baltimore on my way to a shopping mall to, to get my phone card. So at that time, I didn't even have a U.S. phone number. I was using my phone number in China. And of course, the map did not load well because it was international and the data service and everything. I did not have a car. Well, I still don't have a car because I don't need one. But back then I did it out of a car and I hopped on a bus and the, 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 somehow, you know, the bus is like they skipped or they did not tell you which stop, not to mention I was new. So I probably got off at the wrong stop and they stopped like next to a highway. I had no idea where to go and what to do. And I was wearing a tank top and super short shorts and flip flops. It was August and I had no idea but to hitchhike. <laughs> and I got into these two big guys' car. And the moment I sat down, I was like, oh, shoot, I think I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> and I was wearing, I was wearing very revealing clothes. It was hot. It was hot. And I was, my legs were, I had bare legs because they were super short shorts and I was wearing flip-flops, which means even if I wanted to run, I, I, I couldn't really run in those shoes. But I was very lucky. They were good people. They dropped me off. It was really just five minutes away from the um, bus stops, but I was not too terribly wrong. So they dropped me off. They told me where to, to where the entrance was, and, and then I thanked them. And then, well, yeah, so you that, had your... I know, I, I, you know, I relate to your story, you know, your guardian angel. When I was uh, director of instruction for young playwrights, I would go and do field observations. Most of the times a subway would get me there, but sometimes there weren't subways and mm-hmm. I had to take the bus and I took the wrong bus and I ended up in Red Hook, Brooklyn. <laughs> you know, at the time, I'm like, oops, um, you know, but I found my way. We figure it out. We figured it out. Yeah. We figured it out. So go back to your story. Right. Well, that was my first hitchhike. And the second one was that I was hiking. I went hiking with a roommate and we got into the forest. We got lost in the woods and there was no way out. And, you know, the Google, the, there was no data, there was no whatsoever. And we eventually found the exit. And that was also a highway by the lake. And I said, this is our only shot is to hitchhike. So again, we hitchhiked and well, again, we were lucky. We, we met this old couple who just came back from apple picking and they were like, yeah, yeah, we're going to give you a ride and you're welcome to eat how many, however many apples you want. So, you know, but the, the thing was that 
you will encounter these things and when there was no choice, when there was no, when that was the only thing that you can do, then you're just going to do it and pray it's going to work out. Again, there's a risk because I actually know people who got severely injured or even killed. But then again, that just makes me even more grateful knowing that part of the experience that I had and if I act in a horror movie or whatnot, I can use that experience and just add some little secret sauces to that. And that's going to be... You studied at uh, Stella Adler. Mm -hmm. You said that was probably one of the best educations you had. And, And to the point that I'm a theater educator and an English teacher, and it's always been my belief, the best way to engage students is to allow them through drama strategies to engage in the work instead of me telling let's give students an opportunity to explore and find the answers for themselves yeah yeah and I think that's that's also how I got into coaching is because I just believe everybody has it like you know you have it you just cannot see it yet so you need an extra pair of eyes to to be objective to be neutral to hold space to be with you in this process so that you can get the answer. You can let the answer surface. You took a course, a certification course in this. What what was that? How did you find that out? I first took a, I, I did take a certification, but then I got my NLP certification. It just arrived yesterday. Like your, the your actual NLP? NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And what is that? So basically that is about uh, the communication and how your brain, how you process information and how the input and output, you know, how you process information, how you sift through your experience and then how you process that information for communication. So basically it's about how your brain works. Um, So they teach you how to use certain techniques to reframe your thoughts, to um, dig into your unconscious mind. And it's very helpful. It's very helpful for creativity as well, because creativity is about tapping into your unconscious mind. And do you practice what you preach? I started practicing with my coaching clients even before I got the certificate. Like I was working on a certification, but I was already using those techniques. But I use them not for the sake of using them, of course, because they are just tools. You use them when you see there is a need for them, then I use them. I don't just use all those tools for the sake of using them. Because sometimes you don't even use them, just like acting techniques. Sometimes you don't need the techniques. You just you, you have it right? It's the same thing. Did your Stella Adler training complement or coordinate the acting with the coaching? Is there a connection? I think so. I think everything has a connection. In acting school, when we were trained to be present, when we were trained to be good listeners, when we train our instruments and that, that, that this is the instrument that was trained in acting school. And this is also the instrument that I use for coaching. So of course, everything is connected and including my past education, including my medical study, including my public health background, 
everything is connected and everything, all those things becomes a part of you. But then this journey does not stop. And I, I think, actually, I think that's what stopped a lot of people from really manifesting what they want is because they understand the importance of training and then they let the training stop them. I also understand the importance of training. I just do not let it stop me. Like I started, I was coaching clients before I got NLP certification, but I'm not going to wait until I get the certification to say I am a qualified coach because I know I'm already enough and I got premium clients and they pay me this premium rate for me to, to talk to them without even before I got the certificate. So like I know training is part of the journey. I can always get the training. Training I can always invest in myself, but that's not a prerequisite for me to do something. Yeah, I get what you're saying. People will say to me, they thought that I've always been acting. And I'm like, no, I taught for 30 years. I was an English and theater teacher in high school. And then I, I got my PhD because I thought I always wanted to teach at the college level. And then when I did that, it's like, well, I really, really want to be an arts administrator. And you know, just like you said, it's not the training, it's the evolution of your learning experiences and then facilitating those experiences and your passion to coalesce to become all that you can be. Yeah. yeah you're shaking your head. Yeah. Because <laughs> you you know this. And I know this because, you know, I am also a personality junkie. I look into personality types. I even talk to a personality coach. I'm going to work with her. She's just like an expert in all kinds of personality, MBTI, Enneagram and stuff like that. And I just really love those things. And I know I'm actually highly introverted. I've fooled so many people. You, you won't even believe it. Everybody, who, everybody who's ever met me is like, oh, you're so vocal. You're so extroverted. You're so... I score very high on the introversion spectrum like 70 something percent. And I'm also like highly sensitive. I just, I feel a lot. And because of that, get all those stimulus. So I am just very sensitive to noise and very sensitive to, to a whole bunch of things. And I think because we are naturally introvert, introverted and sensitive, that makes us great artists because we receive all those things. But that's also... I always say my, our strongest strength are also, our strengths are also our nightmares. Like our, your strongest suits are also your worst nightmares. So because we have that ability to perceive and to feel, they become the worst nightmares in the sense that we feel we're not enough. And when we feel that, it's also very strong. When we feel that we are not quite where we, we wish we we, we should be or we don't have what it takes like when those things happen when you feel that you feel you also feel it very strongly that you think it's true I never knew about that though personality thing it's called the Myers-Briggs personality type yeah and you had on your website that you are INFJ yeah and introverted intuitive feeling and judging yeah, yeah. How so, yeah, that's you. 
That's me. I, that's me. Although I mentioned that I talked to a personality coach, and she's like, "What if it turns out that you are not?" Because she has a very in-depth set of tools to help you to even dig deeper into that. And I'm like, even if I'm not, I'm okay with it. You know, it's a tool. Like knowing your personality type, it's for personal development. It's not for the sake of doing to know your type, but it does help me in a way to understand how I function, to understand my strengths and weaknesses, to understand how to how to love myself better. Let's say that. Because when I understand it's my weakness, I'm not going to beat myself up about it, right? It, when I understand, oh, this is actually just part of my personality type. I am just more sensitive. I'm just a perfectionist. Naturally, I have more perfectionist tendency than others. Naturally, I'm just more idealistic, which makes me a dreamer, which which is great for my arts, but also makes me slightly crazy for some people. For example, my dad, who is highly practical, that makes me understand it is just who I am, and there's no. Point in feeling bad about it. I can totally relate to that too. My husband is a physics teacher, engineer, computer genius, PhD, and I'm like out there and talking and bubbly. And I'm, people will look at the two of us. Uh, how do these two get together? And P.S. We just celebrated our 45th wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations! And, you know, to your point, thanks. He doesn't get what I do, but he values the fact that this is something that I want to do, that I want to pursue. And to your point, surrounding yourself with those people, you know, surrounding with yourself who get it, which is why I was so drawn to you for two reasons. First, all that you were able to accomplish in your 20s, and just run the gauntlet you just did and you made these huge changing but what also what I admire about what you do is you're not afraid to fail and a lot of people don't know how to fail and acknowledge that there was a failure here you can move forward from that it's that simple oh and the other thing is I work for Young Playwrights Inc and that was an art festival started by Stephen Sondheim to promote the art of playwriting in the American theater. We needed to teach it. And one of the things that I admired about him was that he didn't discriminate against young people. It's he 18 years and younger. That eight-year-old that wrote a play that was performed with professional actors at a Broadway theater, they were treated the same as. Arthur Lorenz or Wendy Wasserstein, who was there to um, act as their workshop leaders. And as a teacher, that was how I treated my students. I didn't see them as kids. I saw them as evolving human beings. Mm -hmm. And that's why another reason why I admire you. It's like, I don't think of you like, who is this 20 something kid? TikTok queen and making all this and getting all these auditions. I'm not a TikTok queen anymore. I used to be. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And we'll get we'll get to that too. Yeah. I think that is like super interesting. Yeah. Every kid, you know, every young person, whoever who they have 
something special. And it was always, I felt my responsibility to bring the best out. And that's kind of like what you do. You know, you bring out the best. Oh. <laughs> I just so admire you. Thank you. What What's the best part of what you do? Okay, I'm just going to say this. I get bored very easily. That's why I'm always... I like to challenge myself, but I also like, sometimes I don't stick with one thing for, stick with one thing long enough to really see it manifesting. So, so the best part is there are, there's uncertainty, which is kind of thrilling because the opposite side of fear is actually excitement, right? So they, they fear and excitement actually come from the same part of your brain. There's always room for growth. I think I'm just growth oriented that is one of my core values is that I have to constantly grow if I don't grow I I don't see the point that's why I am comfortable with being uncomfortable that's why I you know with everything with my immigration story and you know ditching my medical background and everything it's about it's for personal growth also that goes for why I don't do the TikTok thing I wanted you to share about that because that's like super important I was, I signed with a uh, multi-channel MCA, multi-channel network agency in China last year um, to do TikTok and to teach English on TikTok. I had about 34K followers, but the my account was actually on the TikTok platform in China. So it's called Douyin. It's not TikTok. The TikTok is here, but it's the same company because TikTok is from the, the headquarters in China. So I had 34K followers on that platform and... I just gave it up because there was no room for growth for me. It's potentially very lucrative, but there was no room for growth for me. You know, it's so funny because I consider myself to be highly creative, but I had to think so hard to find topics for the, for the content on that platform. And it was just teaching English, you know? It was just like teaching com- daily conversations or teaching a different ways to say you're pretty or something like that, just very basic stuff. And you can't say I don't have it. Of course I have it. But I had to think really hard to come up with those things. And whatever I came up, it was not, it did not, it did not speak to them. So like me and my audience were talking at two different wavelengths. But here, what I'm doing right now, when I put out coaching content, coaching for creatives, coaching for business people who want to be more creative. I never ran out of ideas. There you go. And that's the point. That's, that's the, the beauty. Point. That's the beauty of being an artist is that it's not like you are studying to be an actor or be a singer. Or be, it is an intersecting part of our learning arc. And it's my belief that the arts are a supernatural gift. And if everybody would take any kind of art class, they would discover another point of view and value another perspective. And that's what we try to do. That's what you are successful at doing. Where are you going to go from here? I signed up for a um, financial workshop thing uh, with NYWIFT. 
for oh, the good. Moment. Yeah, oh. for next week. I don't know if you, you probably received the email. Uh, New York so. Women in Film and Television. Let's give them a shout out because right. they're great. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Organiza- organization. I love it. Shout out, Katie Chambers. Yay. Yes, <laughs> Katie Chambers. Katie is great. Um, so, um, yeah. So for I'm, you. I'm going to take that because, you know, I'm like... My feature script is 40 something pages in. I just made a short that won me eight laurels and more things are coming in, you know, eight wars and official selections and a whole bunch of things. And that was my first project. So I was like, there must be a way. I did not know how to do this. And I just briefly learned before doing it. I funded this project with my own vacation money from 2020 because I did not get to vacation. Yeah. Right. I thought about this whole thing is that I know I learn from doing. That's how I learn. And that's the only way I can learn. And that's also the best way I can learn. That's exciting. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Or you want about the film? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually about writer's blog. So basically, you know, I play me, myself, and my inner child. So when me, myself, is frustrated, is confused, is in a bad emotional state or whatnot, then my inner child shows up in my meditation and we have this, we have a conflict because she wants to have fun. She wants to be messy. I am so uptight. I'm so right. I'm so organized. And then my inner child steps uh, over, kicks over a bowl of popcorn and makes a mess. And then I snap. And then that's the turning point where she speaks to truth, saying that you never let me play. No wonder you hate mom. You are just becoming her. That's like the truth bomb. Oh, I'm just, no wonder I hate mom. It's because I am becoming her and I don't like that version of myself. So that's how my inner child shows up and teaches me a lesson to help me overcome the writer's block. But when you think about it, writer's block is actually just another voice in you that is preventing you from fully expressing yourself. Oh my God, this is so helpful because I'm writing a book. uh, It's called From Their Voices based on how the Young Playwrights Festival not only created young playwrights, but the exercises I found are universal. It's not just about writing a play. A lot of these exercises can help us to cope with the divisive culture that Mm -hmm. we are presently existing. Mm -hmm. And before we close today, I want you to talk about being an Asian American here in America, um, you know, as an immigrant. Um, I think the only thing I felt, well, considering the stuff Asian hate and everything happening, the only time I felt in danger was actually last year it was on election. It was the day before election day or on election day. I was attacked in a burger shop. I was just going downstairs for a burger because I was so stressed out about the election and everything. I still don't believe that she was pointing her walking stick at me and yelling, you effing Chinese, blah, blah, blah. So it was scary, but I also, I believe she was probably on medication or off her meds. I don't know. She didn't look stable, mentally stable. I think there's that fear. You could feel the tension in the air. And considering that I'm the first and only immigrant here, I have not seen my family since January 2nd, 2020, because of the travel ban and everything. We cannot travel. It's just that fear. Yeah, it's it's that tingly fear, knowing that 
this might not be the most friendly times in history for Asians, considering the pandemic, considering me being Chinese and considering the Chinese virus, that all kinds of little things. But I also know that it's going to pass. It's just another chapter of history that we are stuck in this at this moment, but we're not really stuck because we realized this is the issue and we're working on it. That's why we do what we do as artists is to have that voice. And so my way of dealing with fear is to put them into arts, put them into creativity. And we've come for a circle in our conversation. Thank you, Yicheng. Thank you, friend. Wonderful chatting with you. And when this airs and uh, put out the blog, all of your website links and uh, social media will be on that. And we'll share your healing methods of making our world a Absolutely. deeper place to live. Thank yes. you so much. I love Thank you. you. Love and, you too. And see you soon. Okay, see you soon. Take care. Bye. Find out more about what Fran is up to. Go to her website at firstonlinewithfran.com. This program was produced by March Hare Media and recorded at Wheat Sheet Studio Productions. 